Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. No one likes having their heart broken, but that doesn't usually warrant much more than a few weeks of grieving, a lot of tears, and maybe a few trips to an ice cream shop. On March 7th, 1910, a woman died in prison after taking her heartbreak out on her lover's wife. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Cordelia Bodkin was born in 1854 in Missouri and later in her life, moved with her family to California where she would meet her husband, a wealthy businessman named Welcome. And together, the two had one son. Now, things for Cordelia seemed pretty normal. And despite the hiccup of a separation with her husband, her life was moving at a steady pace. But a chance meeting in Golden Gate Park in 1891 would soon alter not just her life, but the life of the Dunning family forever. John P. Dunning, who was 31 years old when he met Cordelia, lived a life many envied. He was a well-regarded war correspondent, had a wonderful wife named Mary who came from a politically prominent family, and after moving to San Francisco to take a job as the bureau chief of Associated Press's Western Division, the couple added a daughter to their perfect little family. Now, in 1891, John was out cycling through the park when his bike broke down near a bench where Cordelia Bodkin just so happened to be sitting. The two struck up a conversation as he fixed his bike. And though she was 10 years older than the young man, the two soon found themselves planning secret rendezvous, sexual encounters, and stolen moments of passion. Cordelia soon introduced her younger lover to the seedier side of San Francisco. And soon, he found himself immersed in a life of drinking, partying, and gambling, far from the picture of the perfect husband Mary Elizabeth Dunning thought she married. Before long, their very public displays made their way back to his wife, who took her daughter and moved back to Delaware, and his new lifestyle and some embezzlement cost him his lucrative job at the Associated Press. It seemed that meeting with Cordelia sent his life on a downward spiral that, after three years, he was ready to get himself out of. John was rehired in March of 1898 and became the lead reporter in what would become the Spanish-American War. Realizing this was his chance to get his life back on track, he bid Cordelia goodbye, reconciled with Mary Elizabeth, and then made his way to Cuba where his assignment was. Cordelia was devastated. So much so that she remembered a little tidbit of information that John had let slip about his wife and began to form a devious plan. For an unknown period of time, Mary Elizabeth, who had moved back to Delaware and into the home of her father, former Congressman John P. Pennington, began receiving letters from a friend postmarked in San Francisco 
telling her that John was still very much in love with that attractive woman living in California, warning her to not trust their reconciliation. She simply turned the letters over to her father for safekeeping and tried to push the words from her mind. Then, on August 9th, 1898, Mary got another item in the mail that she couldn't quite resist. A box of candies addressed to her and her sister with a note saying, with love to yourself and baby. Now, Mary was, according to her husband, quote, passionately fond of candy, a fact that he shared with his lover Cordelia. So when the candies arrived, Mary, assuming they were from a friend named Mrs. Corbelly, couldn't help but partake in some pieces for herself. She ate about three pieces and shared the rest with her family while sitting on the front porch. Two days of agony later, both Mary and her sister, 44-year-old Ida Harriet Dean, died from arsenic poisoning while four other members were made sick but ultimately survived the poisoning. When Elizabeth's father, who was, of course, devastated by the loss of his two daughters, looked at the note attached to the candy, he noticed something familiar. One look at the letters he had tucked away for his daughter confirmed that whoever sent the candy was also the sender of the taunting letters. The candy was then traced back to a shop in San Francisco and finally to Cordelia Bodkin herself. Another version of the story claims that her father sent a telegraph to John Dunning, who rushed back home and, when he saw the letter that accompanied the box, knew right away his former lover was its author. Regardless, it all came back to Cordelia. The story soon became front-page news as investigators made their case against Cordelia with the help of the candy store, a department store, the drugstore where the arsenic was purchased, and a handwriting expert. Eventually, they had enough, and in October of 1898, a chief less appeared in front of a grand jury presenting his strong circumstantial evidence. They decided to indict Cordelia with two counts of first-degree murder and her trial, which would be the first for a crime that took place in two different states, began in December of that year. Placed on the stand, she admitted to buying the arsenic that June to bleach a straw hat and stated it was the powdered type, not the crystalline type that was found in the candy. She also produced two alibis on the stand, neither of which could be substantiated. After four hours of deliberation, a jury found Cordelia Bodkin guilty of murder and was sentenced to life imprisonment. Just a few months after being sent off to prison, Judge Cook, the man who sentenced her, was out shopping in downtown San Francisco when he spotted a familiar face. Cordelia was out and about shopping almost as if she wasn't a convicted murderer. He launched an investigation and soon learned that the wily woman had exchanged sexual favors for a more lavish prison sentence, which included freedom to leave her cell and the grounds of the prison. Meanwhile, her lawyer was fighting to have her conviction overturned, and in August of 1904, she was granted a second trial. She was given her same sentence and sent back to prison. Cordelia Bodkin remained in prison until her death in 1910. The cause of death, according to officials, was, quote, softening of the brain due to melancholy. Her lover, John Dunning, whose career was destroyed after the scandal, died just two years before. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on March 8th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. 
If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.